people say the opposite of love is not hate, but indifference. There certainly seems to be a lack of love around at the moment, and the Czech Republic is no exception. On the last edition of the Progcast, we looked at love. So what about intolerance? Are Czechs a tolerant nation? Or do they dislike strangers in their midst? Are they, as many claim, xenophobic? Are they accepting of difference? I'm Olivia Kobayashi. And I'm Jihong Joseph Park. We'll find out in this edition of the Progcast. Though the Czech Republic has accepted just a handful of the refugees it promised to take in under a European Union scheme to divide migrants fairly, there are some already living within Prague. Inside the bridge center, children are seen running around and playing while their mothers talk to one another in various languages. One can hear Arabic, bits of broken Czech, and English all in the same room. This is where Prague-casters Savannah Billman and Rachel Rustin met with Petra Dams, the creator of the bridge center, to find out more about the difficulties both refugees in the Czech Republic and volunteers that help them face. Okay, and we are starting here. So these are shoes and toys. That's our first section. We have house. The bridge center started out as a place where Petra Dams would store items to donate to refugees. It evolved into a community center where refugees can come to pick up items they may need, socialize, cook together, participate in community activities, as well as provide a place for their children to spend time together and receive tutoring. All separated for pink are ladies, green are kids, and blue are men. Most of the refugees Petra helps are from the Middle East and are looking to permanently establish residences in Prague. Petra helped us to begin to understand how Czechs perceive the refugees moving to the Czech Republic. From the Czech people generally, it is negative. However, in Prague, the situation is a little bit different with so many different nationalities being present in Prague, not only the refugees, but there are a lot of expats and foreigners and tourists, that it's easier to get by unnoticed. However, you, you come across some problems when you are trying to work as a refugee, when you are trying to rent an apartment as a refugee, when you are trying to enroll your child into a school as a refugee, find a doctor, those things cause a lot of issues. But generally speaking, on the streets, they can be completely unnoticed in a crowd, and they like that. When asked what some of the biggest challenges the Bridge Center faces, Petra shared some of her frustrations. Okay, for example, if the government issues asylum to somebody who is not further supported by the government. That's an issue for me, and there is no way out of it. So I sometimes don't understand that some individuals or families receive asylum and there's no other help offered, and they would not be able to sustain their life here. So they are pushed into probably move to a different EU country, uh, which is illegal for them then they are arrested, maybe deported, or returned to Czech. You know, it's very complicated, but that is the biggest issue. So, who is helping these volunteers along with Petra? Petra was born in the Czech Republic, but lived outside of it for several years, so she understands the hardships of moving to a new country where one can feel like an outsider. She doesn't feel as though other Czechs are as sympathetic. 
But even all the volunteers that come are all English speaking. And I have to pay the people that do the homework in Czech. So I need Czech speaking people as well. But they are usually paid, you know, so that's just making me sad. Yeah. She also shared who she received the majority of her donations from. Most of the expats are really blessing us with lots of furniture, which is really needed because if you have a new family and we manage to find them an apartment, it's usually completely empty, you know. So it's getting beds and getting wardrobes and getting desks and chairs and tables and all that. That's really necessary. And we never get that, you know, from Czechs. Despite the many challenges that refugees and volunteers at the Bridge Center face, Petra maintains high spirits. I think that everybody that comes here to the bridge is a success story on various levels and various depths. Um, They might not make a huge impact on a large scale, but just helping that one individual is amazing. Petra Dams, creator of the Bridge Center, speaking to the broadcast. So, are Czechs a tolerant nation? We went out onto the streets to find out. Can we ask you one question? Yes. Um, Could you answer uh, how Czechs feel about non-Czechs living here in the Czech Republic? Cool. Like, why should there be a problem with that? It's just (laughs) normal. Uh, Maybe bald-headed people have problems with that, but we don't. (laughs) What problem do you think that they have with the non-Czech people Uh, here? I think they have problems with themselves, so they put it out on other people. I'm from Egypt, and my mom, she's Italian. Okay, I came here in 2005. I miss my wife, Czech in uh, Rome, in Italy. We knew each other and she brought me here to Prague. She told me that Prague is beautiful, which is the truth. So um, now the people that are easy going at the end, they have very good beer. (laughs) 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 uh, May I ask you, are Czechs tolerant? So it depends, you know, wherever you go, there is good and bad, tolerant people and people who are introverts. as I told you before, uh, you know, that this country was communist for a long time, so we must give them the time to get used it to others, others' culture, others' traditions. And... May I ask you, as a man of color in the Czech Republic, what kind of experience have you had? No, I didn't have any problems, thanks to God. <laughs> anyway, but, you know, I think that Czech people, uh, there is one... They are everyone for himself and God for, for all. And they send me so they don't care about. If you they, don't know, they are. I think that I know. I know lots of good people from Czech. I don't think that they are. That as they say, they are not tolerant. It is only the question of uh, difference of culture. You know, so they are a little bit closed in themselves. You know? This is the mentality. But uh, they don't harm you. Understand? So you haven't had any No, I didn't experience. I didn't have any bad experience really. Have you heard of anything that has happened to anyone? You know, sometimes there are some some things, but like every country, understand like in France, in Italy, everywhere there are this kind of problems. I think that's here until now we we live good. <laughs> 
there is now racism, there is now xenophobia. Until now, it's okay. I don't know from tomorrow what's been. But until now, I didn't get any problems until now, understand? One organization which provides free legal counseling to refugees and migrants is the Prague-based Organization for Aid to Refugees. We spoke to lawyer Hanna Frankova about her work with the organization and the services that they provide. Okay, the first question is about your I Am Like You campaign, which aimed to increase tolerance towards refugees in the Czech Republic. How much success and change did you see brought by that campaign? I think this is a very interesting campaign we have. It's been running for a relatively short time period, so I can tell much of of, of big difference observed. But it's uh, showing uh, the gener- general public uh, stories of refugees and migrants living in the Czech Republic. It's interactive. You can follow the campaign on Facebook on a Czech hashtag, Sem It means I'm like you. And it introduces uh, various stories of young people. And uh, it also has lots of response among other young people. So I believe it has success, but we cannot really track some uh, response after a relatively short time period. What have some of the responses been like? Have you seen a lot of people following the campaign and supporting it, especially with a young demographic? We have good response and we also see it in real life when people contact our organization and they offer being involved as volunteers or they offer donations uh, for our clients. Um, so, So we do see responses for our volunteer projects. There are only 12 refugees within the Czech Republic. Why are Czech citizens and authorities so hesitant to accept refugees? I mean, this might be a little confusing because the figure you mentioned refers to refugees that were resettled as part of one specific program, but there is still more refugees. The figures are still very low, and I can't see the statistics precisely. Uh, I see now the statistics for 2017, and currently they speak about, for example, about 340 people who have one specific form of uh, international protection. So there's there's little more people, but it's still very low figures when you look at other countries. And I think part of it is our politicians who argue that accepting more refugees would cause problems for for our society. And this goes hand in hand with uh, people not being very familiar with refugees, not knowing them in person, for example. And we see that once people get to know refugee families, for example, they don't fear that sort of abstract danger anymore. So I think these might be the reasons why the figures keep being quite low. How do Czech citizens react when you tell them you work at OPU? It it depends uh, what citizens. My family and friends have been very supportive. And I saw a little bit of change about two years ago when we had more of an influx of refugees passing through the Czech Republic. And it was medialized in a way that could have scared 
people. And there were people who were responding negatively to to my uh, involvement at OPU. But I always try to explain them a little bit about our activities, about what we do, about our lawyers and social workers. I try to tell them a little bit of our client stories, and I think they understand a little more now. And that was Hanna Frankova speaking to me a few days ago, and she seemed optimistic about the future. One problem for the young democracy like the Czech Republic is the vile and sometimes violent language used towards foreigners and anyone else who is different. So where are the boundaries in Czech law? What can and can't you say? To find out, we speak to Jaroslav Blaluk, manager of the government's Hatery Culture Project. I'm really interested professionally in the field of uh, hatred and fighting and countering and diffusing hatred in the society. And that's something I've been doing for many years. Uh, many years already, I'm particularly, particularly interested in the role of communication and media in the radicalizing uh, our communities and societies. And at the same time, the role of possible interventions, how we could stop hate from spreading, violence from spreading. Who are the perpetrators of such hate speech and who are they targeting and what are they saying? So it's, it's difficult to define what hate speech is and sometimes it gets really confused. Sometimes it, we really need to be careful in like labeling like what is hate speech and what is kind of a legitimate fear of someone who has certain type of information and doesn't have other type of information or other sources. So, but if you talk really about hate speech, that is like really using words and expressions to attack minorities or to mobilize people of your own group to attack them, uh, then we are getting to a more more narrow group. Obviously, there is this more percentage of these really kind of extreme, let's say, right-wing groups that are kind of marginalized now. So, But then we have this more mainstream hate speech. And there, for me, there were some interesting findings. I mean, I, I tended to see the typical hater, let's put it this way if we use the label, as someone who's frustrated, not altruistic, unsympathetic, someone who's completely dissatisfied with his or her own life, low income, low education. And it turns out that is actually not the truth. You cannot really identify the typical hater. Right? Like Definitely you cannot say that it's someone who's... Uh, who's jobless or who has low income. No, it, it, it tends to go across any social groups, social layers. It's more like, generally it's more men than women, uh, age of like 35 and, and up uh, and higher, decent income, so they're definitely not deprived economically. Uh, those are people who are interested in what's going on. They like to read a lot. They like to learn a lot of information about the world around them. Anything that comes from outside is a source of fear, source of anger, and that kind of explains uh, the, the, the very strong negative sentiments towards these days. Refugees, different cultures, uh, Islam, uh, people coming from places we don't know. So hate-free partners with local businesses, cafes, and restaurants to certify them as um, hate-free space, safe spaces. Who are these safe spaces for? Who are they trying to protect? Because the, 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 the hatred entered mainstream, as I, as I already said, we wanted to show something positive, to show that it's not becoming a norm. Even though 
especially online, one can be overwhelmed by the hateful content. Uh, but still, we know, you know, that there are businesses even don't accept this trend, but they might be silenced by the by the more kind of hate and loud speech. So we wanted to build the whole campaign around some positive idea that actually there are places, and not just individuals, but institutions, businesses, coffee shops, cinemas, tattoo studios, uh, that simply do not accept this hate trend. And they are brave enough, actually, to label their space, that it's a hate-free zone, it's a safe space for anyone, regardless of skin color, ethnical background, uh, sexual orientation, age or whatever, anybody is welcomed and uh, can feel safe in that place. And that was Yaroslav Valuk, manager of the government's hate-free culture project, speaking to the broadcast. And that's about all we have time for in this edition and this semester. It's been a pleasure. The Progcast was brought to you this fall by Anastasia Muraviova, Rachel Rustin, Savannah Billman, Zayao Li, and Yulia Skubish. And our editor was Rob Cameron. And I'm Ji Hong Joseph Park. And I'm Olivia Kobayashi. Thanks for joining us.